Yeah, I just pulled in the driveway, so I'm not feeling super focused. But uh, you're hyper focused. Well, that's just wait a second. I'm like fucking Adderall. Like I'm so focused, I'm I'm about to go mute. <laughs> I'm about to just be like, if there were blinds, I'd have like the blinds parted with my fingers, like looking out paranoid, looking for the cops. Wait, hold on a second. Who is that? Who is that? Who did, did you, you want to wipe? Did you hear something? <laughs> what well, instantly go to that when I'm on coke? Just I'm instantly that guy. Me too. I thought I can't fuck with. I'm talking to you, but the, uh, the um, I'm only talking to you because the window's right behind your head, so I can like dart my eyes back and forth and pretend like I'm listening to you, and I'm really just looking out the blinds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, me and you, uh, I don't know. I, you get it on us because that's the same shit that happens to me, and I don't enjoy it. It's very, very tense on my back and neck. Like then you don't notice oh, it. Got jaw. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah grinding your teeth and then you're like why am I doing this oh because I'm such a fucking junkie that I will put anything in my face to think to feel different even if it's terrible yeah even if I hate the feeling yeah me with uh, bath salts yeah (laughs) if you feel you're being victimized or extorted by this prisoner please contact customer service at 855-466 all subject matter in the preceding podcast is entirely alleged and not admissible in a court of law. A recklessly minimal effort has been taken to change the names and details of any guilty parties. And just in case you rat bastards get any ideas, the hosts of this podcast are notorious and well-documented liars with no legally admissible credibility. This is Mama C, and you're listening to Notes from the Pin Podcast. Welcome to prison, bitch. Greetings from the... Fuck that. I'm doing it again. I'm not I'm not stumbling on the very second word. No, I'm not doing it. You have to leave it in now. Okay, show again, but I, you're gonna leave that part in. I know you you're gonna your pride's gonna get out the way later and you're like, I guess I have to. So let's go. Let's do it again. Make it do it again. Greetings from the prison industrial complex. This is the Notes from the Pen podcast. I am the captain of the ship, Freddie Schnertz. Somewhere behind me doing backflips in the boat wake is our favorite convict, one Chino Bobby. Bobby Chino. What's up, Bobby Chino? Yeah, and the um, subject matter we're going to be doing today, it's less, I think you should look back and uh, and see what I'm actually doing on the wakeboard because I'm probably have it just wrapped around my neck and just letting it drag me. And uh, um, my expression is, what's the point anyways? So uh, there's not much backflips going on. Though I have been injected with, I don't know how many grams of instant coffee. So we'll see. Maybe backflips will happen. Yeah, so the point of today's podcast, we're going to take a little bit of a a detour and maybe do some mental health stuff. Of course, that's not completely crazy for us to do. Uh, However, we've kind of got a mirror image of, of... Positive Bobby. We kind of got the inverse of that. Bobby hasn't been feeling too great uh, lately, and this isn't a huge boohoo fest. Uh, we just want to. Bobby's got some thoughts and explanations, um, and I can see where we, the listeners and or the viewers, even play a small role in it uh, because I know exactly the feelings you're going through because, and I'm sure this doesn't happen with everybody, but you and I are similar in this, in this way. Um, so you want to, you want to start off and, and I should warn the viewers, Bobby isn't just jacked up on coffee. He had one of his bros go get him a little cup of coffee and his bro was uh super benevolent and came back with, uh, I don't know, something, uh, you could put a straw in the straw would stand straight up like, uh, yeah, right? I, he put so much in. He was malevolent. He was, he, was trying to be, he, he was trying to be funny, and because of the way I drink instant coffee, I just pour a, a scoop in a tiny bit of water and just drink it like that. I can't tell by the taste, and it looks like motor oil, some sort of pins oil, knockoff pins oil brand. But uh, but indeed, it's the uh, high class, right? It's uh, yeah, it's Maxwell. Yeah, Maxwell rich kid shit. Um. Yeah, so we did kind of want to talk about this. I wanted to talk about it because I don't want people to get the idea. First of all, when you say things like, um, there's a part of my part of me that cringes when I hear you say, we're going to do a mental health episode. Because already I feel like people out in the world, 
you've created a box, and now people out in the world are like, well, I've never been diagnosed with mental health. Oh, God, it's going to be one of these. And it's, you know, I was thinking earlier, if you're a human being who's alive and breathing, you have, issues, you have moments of what would be classified as mental health crisis or issues. And if you don't, you're a sociopath, which is in the DSM, so you also have mental health issues. <laughs> because... Um, when you put mental health, I think people, sometimes they get this picture of, like, someone moping around 24 hours a day or, or whatever. But there's all different kinds. Basically, to be human is to be fucked up mentally at some point, right? At some point in your day or your week or your month or your life, you're going to feel stressed or depressed or frustrated or whatever. So I think uh, don't, don't, don't consider yourself because you haven't been diagnosed to, to um, be in a position where you can't get anything from this. And but what I wanted to do with this was... I didn't want people to hear, like, the annoyingly positive shit and be like, oh, he's got life figured out. He's fucking mastered this uh, depression. God damn it. This intercom shit. Um, he's got figured out, and everything's just rosy and cheery. And that's not the case, you know. Um, I have those days, especially being in here, where I, I'll hit that wall, and I'll feel that shit coming on. That's um, how my brain works. And uh, I guess the only difference is, is how I deal with it and stuff. And I think, like you said, me and you are similar with some stuff like that when it comes on and whatnot. Yeah, and we noticed that a long time ago when we were, I don't know, 20 years ago when we were young. Um, but uh, when you were telling me earlier, you know, just giving me a briefing on what we may be going through, what you wanted to talk about, which I thought you told me you wanted to do a mental health uh episode so that's why i called it that so now i'm feeling some type of way great is there another rope i want one for my neck who's going to steer the ship well, I, oh, you just i called it that because that's like your nomenclature for these things okay. so i'm just going to ping pong the responsibility back to you and it's nothing nothing wrong with it i guess you should say it enough so it doesn't have a sting whatever but this okay so this is what happened i figured maybe i'd like give a little insight into kind of what triggered it. Um, and it's been a while since I had one of these little downswings. Um, I, like what, about three days ago, four days ago, I had like a, an amazing day. Like everything was going good. I had like a great conversation with my favorite comedian and people over at his place. And then I met this new amazing comedian and we had back-to-back-to-back phone conversations and they were just like, you know, when you hit it off with somebody. You remember, I even mentioned it to you the next time I talked to you. I was all like, oh, we got a new friend, you know? Yeah, you were super stoked. Yeah, super stoked. And uh, great sense of humor, whatever. It was just, it was awesome. And then I went in, this was towards the end of the night, and I went in and I got a JPay message from uh, a nice young lady who, who had been, like, we just started writing and I got a JPay one it was the first JP one, and it was, like, funny and witty, and I was like, oh, this chick's cool as hell, and wow, what a, like, a, a, it just was great, and then I went, I, like, floated back to my cell, because all these three things, you know, which just made me feel good, made me feel connected, and like, oh, this is just wonderful, and blah, 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 but when I got up there, I felt so good that I remember having the distinct realization, like, careful, you know what I mean, this is, you know this, this is your finding. Don't put too many eggs in that basket because that basket is outside of yourself. It's external. And what if the phones get cut off? Or what if these things are outside of yourself? And it doesn't mean you don't like, you can't enjoy them and you can't take part in them, but don't tie too much of your actual happiness to shit outside of yourself. And this is like something I had to learn the hard way. I had to learn by coming to prison and shit. And so, uh, like clockwork. I give myself that little warning in the back of my head. I'm like, yeah, shut up. It'll be fine. And then the next day, so that so that night, like, I fire off this uh, response letter to this girl. And I'm like, oh, and, then, and I'm like, oh, I'm pretty pleased with myself. I'm sure that was good. It's so good, I don't even need to give it another look. So I send it out in the morning. And then later that day, I, I'm like, let me check what I actually wrote. And I'm like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> like, oh, I tried to make a bunch of shitty jokes that didn't land and just... I ended, I said, I, I felt like a dog who got too excited to, to play and then pissed on the floor a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So 
I was like, okay, that's a great lesson. Like, oh, yeah, so you wanted to be... So I can already tell, like, the universe or myself, whatever, the, the universe is conspiring to show me this lesson that, it, that I warned myself about the night before. So it's like, okay, so now that's, that's not that great, that thing you're all excited about. Oh, and why don't you try calling your buddies for the next couple of days and they don't pick up? <laughs> you know what I mean? Which happened where I was like, oh, yep, loud and clear. Like, you don't have to keep going through beating me in the head with this shit. Um... And so last night I went up to my cell at night and, you know, the cell door, locked the cell door and then they shut the lights out. I'm there listening to music and Blaze wanted me to watch this paranormal thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'll watch. But I'm feeling that, like, weight in my chest wake up, that little furnace of, like, melancholy and depression coming on. And I gave myself this little pep talk that had kind of slowly started the day before where I'm like, listen, you know what time... You have one minute remaining. And apparently it's one minute remaining. That's the time. But um, you've been here before. And when these when these lights go off in the cell and you're locked in your cell, and now you're alone. Don't ever forget that shit. You are alone. And it doesn't mean there's not people that hear about it. It doesn't mean that anything... I, I, by no means do I think any of those three amazing things that put me in a good mood was anyone doing anything negligent or malicious or anything like that it's just the way shit worked out and no one was answering and whatever and i was like faced with a stark reality of like oh all those things you were so happy about what happens when when they're not there you know don't don't get don't run off a cliff with with stuff like this um let me hit you right back so we have a place to stop okay so you were saying um nobody likes me everybody hates me think i'll go eat worms (laughs) <laughs> no, where I was at was saying that um, I had made the the mistake or just been complacent and like well started to let my uh, my happiness I don't hate that word my my that, I don't know my happy sure fuck it my happiness be tied to stuff that was uh, that that could be taken from me that was outside of my control and to to kind of like have to slap myself back down to reality to the to the harsh reality that I learned coming to prison is that no you're alone in here if you can't fucking find it um, be, if you can't be content alone or find satisfaction internally then what are you doing and so I had to like it was just kind of jarring to be to have to remind myself of that shit again and so you know, I'm sitting there, and I mean, it's probably that and a mixture of that. It's, like, getting cloudy all the time now. It's starting to get, like, summer's over. and But I felt like, you know, I felt that, that welling up in the chest of, uh, well, I don't know. It just feels like a gravity in there that I'm super familiar with. But I haven't felt it in a while. And um, because I know, before I get into that, you want to, you know what I'm talking about, about, like, getting your, uh, you you had mentioned a couple of things before about like having these like real like social or emotional highs based on external shit. Yeah, and, uh, and what happened afterwards? Right, and it, I mean, it, obviously, back in our druggy days, that was uh, was a little easier to define because then you're high as balls, and then the next day you feel like shit, and you're like, well, what happened? But it, it happens to me if I just have too much fun. It happens to me when. Uh, uh, like uh, I've shared with the listeners how uh, I go to Trump events and um, I play dress up and, you know, kind of troll around and try to get laughs. But I also do it at a uh, liberal type events where I play this character, uh, Carl Whitehead Jr. with the mustache of freedom. And he's like the ultimate uh, patriot uh, clad in everything that could be U.S. flag type stuff. I, I I don't I don't think I've told you this Bobby but he's even went ultra republican and now has a uh underneath his American flag cape he has a Confederate flag cape because you know what else could be more republicany and all, just like at the Trump events uh at, at the um I think it was a birthday event uh Carl showed up talking about how climate change is a libtard hoax paid for by George Soros and going on and on about how uh you know, Jesus over science and, you know, just doing his, his thing. Well, hold on. A side note, so we can paint a picture, and I think I know the answer to this. Um, old Carl Whitehead Jr. doesn't wear fake mustaches or anything, right? The mustache of freedom is a real mustache, right? It's grown out. It's actual human hair. 
Oh, it's not just actual human hair. It, it, picture, I, I dye it black uh, just to make it darker because uh, mine comes in kind of uh, light and a little bit brown and a little bit, I don't know. I, it seems like I got all the colors of a calico cat in my uh, mustache. But think of Hulk Hogan in his heyday, but black. I mean, the ultimate Fu Manchu and long and gnarly. Typically, I grow out a beard and then I shave all, you know, I just leave the Fu Manchu part, the, and as, I try to make it as gross as possible, and it's it's awesome. I'll admit to that. All to uh, all to troll people for one day. Well, because I want to look like that guy, and it, it works. I got my red MAGA hat. It, it, it do my whole thing. But I get done with these events, and I come home, and I'm off my normal beer drinking schedule. So it's like eight o'clock at night, and I'm like high. I'm like giddy. So I cracked the first beer, and I'm like, okay, I'll be going to bed soon. Let me start dinner. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, I forgot I recorded this. Oh, I forgot I took pictures of this. Oh, that's great. Oh, looky here. These people know. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And um, I don't go to bed till like 2 o'clock in the morning because I'm so geeked up on having fun. And then, like, the next two days, I'm in the dumps. I'm like straight. I, I feel like shit. This, this, I first noticed this stuff happening when I was a pup. When I was young, I moved to Daytona, and uh, I would go to these NASCAR events. Yes, I'm in Florida. Yes, I've been to NASCAR events. Uh, but you stay the night in the Daytona infield, or you stay multiple nights in the Daytona infield, and you're partying with their stripper poles, there's pretty girls, there's, uh, it's, it's party all night long. And then you get home from that, and like the next half a week, I don't know why I feel so blue. I feel so terrible now as an old, you know, a little bit more length in my tooth. I, uh, I can understand that, Hey, this is a natural reaction. I get too high and what's going to happen if I get too high, eventually I'm going to get too low and somewhere I'd like to find the balance. Now that doesn't mean I don't like to have fun. Of course, I like to have fun. That doesn't mean I want to avoid fun, but there's something to pinning that, external fun to self-worth. I don't know. I haven't had, I don't have it worked out as well as you do, Bobby, but there's definitely a natural feeling when I get too much dopamine, I get too much fun. My body's not going to react well the next couple of days. And I feel like that's what's going on with you. You, you talk to a comedian friend, you talk to comedian and author friend, uh, you, the podcast is going well, you got, uh, all these things going on. And you're floating around in prison when you're not used to feeling great in prison. And then naturally what happens is, you know, you melon Bobby comes out. I think, uh, I think we're now that I'm like trying to hash this out with you, I think what it is in your case, it's you're walking around at such a low that when you get this super big spike, it's a big fall back down to the low part. Um, for me, I've been in prison. And so like, this shit's been slowly rising, slowly rising. And then the reminder of like slapping myself across the face, like, Hey, you know, yourself, you know, when these triggers start coming, you know, you know what these feelings are, you know, where they lead if they're, they're left unchecked, which leads me to uh, I'll recalibrate the old filter. And I go, no, I mean, this sounds really harsh. It sounds, it, I don't mean it like to sound like someone who was abused as a kid. So they won't let anyone in because they're freaking hurt. I'm not, saying it like that uh, I'm saying that I have I know I know subtly where the the line is and the line is is that I haven't been because I've been getting this shit externally like this positivity and all this stuff outside of myself I maybe let that other practice even though I meditate and all that shit I kind of let that atrophy and I kind of was like oh well you know maybe I don't need to do as much or I don't need to stay as vigilant because I'm getting this externally and I had to remind myself that the other night and then, like clockwork, just perfect. Everything fell away, just temporarily, you know. But it was enough to, for me to go see. That's what I'm talking about. Now you remember this. You're in now. I'm sure originally I had the emotion like, "Well, fuck everyone. I don't need anyone," you know. And then I have to check myself. And go, no, that's not it either, dummy. You just need to stop tying that stuff to that because you're not. That's not lasting meaning and lasting happiness or satisfaction, whatever the hell you want to call it. And forcing myself to recalibrate kind of left me like, as you would call it in the booze a little bit. And I was like, yeah, like, let's not forget where you're at, bud. 
you're in here and you're alone. And and that doesn't, like I said, that doesn't mean there's not people who care about me that I talk to and shit. But at the end of the day, when that cell door closes, I'm in there alone. And I'm not, I can't go out and I can't do what I want. I don't have my freedom. And in order to cope with that and not let that drag me under, I have to be monastic and stoic about that. And be like, no, this is the reality. I'm in here by myself. Don't, don't get comfortable with this external satisfaction and happiness, right? But here's the thing. And I don't know if you experience this or not. When I get that gravity in the center of my chest, I mean, it's a physical fucking feeling. I can feel it right now. And when I get that, that's when I create the only shit worth creating. You know, everything, the novel, like everything I've written that's worth reading comes from that, that thing. And that shit was stirring last night. And it was kind of the inverse of what you were saying. I stayed up to like two in the morning and, you know, I've been writing like just goofy, like funny tweets lately, but I used to write more like deep, kind of slightly dark or poetic, whatever t- tweets. I know when you put the term tweet on something, I like, guess yeah, it's stupid, but I, you know, I was maybe knocking out like 20 a week. And last night I sat up and wrote like 80 of them. And it was just like, boom, 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 just like, uh, that furnace I can use to fucking create and it's like everything there's something about that that I try to like describe the feeling I get in my chest and it's like it's not just all negative and all sad it's like this mixture of uh, a tra- uh, something like a tragic appreciation of like the fleeting aspect or the fleeting beauty of life like that's what it, it, one of my favorite emotions to like think about or try crack open is nostalgia, because nostalgia is like this perfect mixture. Of, it's not like joy or happiness or just melancholy. It's like a mixture of those two things that, to me, like totally encompasses the duality of life. Like the, the shit's beautiful in life only because, or is especially beautiful because it's temporary and it's fleeting. And so you appreciate it, but there's also a sadness because it's going to go away. And every piece of art that I appreciate that resonates with me taps into that feeling. And so when I get that shit in my chest, my reaction is to like, okay, get this burning fucking thing out of your chest. And like, you got to write and you got to do whatever. So I stayed up writing last night and that like helps vent a lot of that and makes it to where I can catch my breath a little bit and breathe. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is now that I know when this shit happens, I mine it for the, even if it's like tough, I mine it for the good that it does offer. And that's one of the things that that feeling, it felt comfortable to me last night, that melancholy feeling. I was like, I've been here. I know this. It doesn't feel fun, but it feels okay. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. It's, I don't know if I'm doing any justice to describe it. It's really, it's the, it's the toughest thing for me to describe. I've been trying for years to, to figure out a way to describe it so people can get it. And most people don't. They're like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But I met a couple of people who are like, yeah, I get it. I feel like, uh, I feel like I get it, but I, I, you're right. Just, that's not how it works out with me, but I'm not an artist. So, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of other artists that think, uh, you know, that, that can create things that, you know, me, when uh, I feel that in my chest, I, you know, I go to weed and beer and, you know, party time comes back and, you know, I leave it alone. Which you would be able to vouch for this, which is what I used to do. You know what I mean? I would just be like, Oh no, I don't like this. Let's, how can we drench this furnace? Like, let's, uh, uh, Oxycontin, yeah, let's try that. Xanax, oh, you got some fucking Jack Daniels there. I don't really like whiskey, but all right, it's, I'm not going to turn it down. And it would just be this chaotic, and that's where the darkness would come into my, I wasn't like a fun, like, I mean, back when we were partying and shit, I'm a wild man who wants to have fun, but there's like a real sadness to it to where, like when I'm alone and drinking, it's like, uh, there's definitely things going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Under the surface that you're like, are you all right? And I'm like, I don't know, am I? <laughs> You know, and uh, I think this is like something we struggle with. And um, I wanted to point out that that shit still happens to me. This isn't something that like I be and then it's like, oh, everything's done. Never, I'll just wipe my dust my hands off and like, oh, depression's a thing of the past. No, like, that shit still happens to me. I just know that there's no other way to deal with it other than to deal with it. And I try to lean into that stuff and, and look at it like life isn't just about uh, fun, happy, go lucky times. 
it's also that other shit, which is why I said I like that mixture of that nostalgia gives you. And when I'm in this time, when I'm in this phase, this side of the coin, I learn to like, I force myself to embrace it. Like I meditated. I didn't want to, me- this is like the perfect excuse not to meditate, not to work out. But I know, and I really didn't want to today, but I know that I have to, if I expect to like be able to rein this in it all. So I did. And while I was meditating today, I had the thing of like, shift your perspective, lean into this. You love this feeling is tough, but it, you have one minute remaining. You know how to deal with it. So lean into it, like embrace this because when you're dead and there is no more of these experiences, if there was a such thing as an existence afterwards, I think you'd look back at these moments. Like those are the ones that count when your heart's fucking on fire. You can barely fucking take the sadness of, of life or, or whatever mixed and, and just lean into that shit. Like be grateful because it's temporary. It's going to go away. And while you're, while it, that's burning, let's like stick some shit in the forge and make something out of it, which is the, you know, a big part of how I figured out how to deal to cope with it when it happens. Which I think you're still in the process of like figuring out. So let me bring this around real quick, if it's at all possible. These things don't just apply to like me and you and the specific like mental shit we go through. It applies to anything you're going through out there. If you're frustrated, if you get angry too easily, if whatever that you're going through and why you just want to pull your fucking hair out or you want to drown yourself in alcohol or you want to knock it out of bed in the morning. The only way to deal with this shit is, is to deal with it and, and to not, not just, not just surrender to this shit, I guess. And, uh, I think, I think everybody needs this. I needed someone to fucking tell me some of this stuff. I, I don't know. It might not have worked. I might have had to go through everything I went through to figure some of this stuff out and actually believe it. I'm stubborn like that. Stupid like that. But, uh, I think it's, uh, I think everyone goes through shit at some point. If you don't, I mean, good on you, I guess. But I, but, uh, I suspect that everyone goes through shit. Like this. Seems tough on the outside, you know, not being inside the prison walls. Like, if I had a horrible day, I mean, I'm not in prison, so I'm going to go home and eat a chocolate cake if if that's what I, you know, makes my pleasure senses, you know, light up. Or for me, it would be, you know, eat an edible and drink too much and smoke a blonde or, you know, like completely just escape. Yeah. But that's, that's that running away from or surrendering. That's like the non-confrontational way of like acquiescing to the, all that shit. And, and here, I mean, I could do those things. I could go get high. You know what I mean? And, and like, you know, I'd be a liar if I, if I didn't say like occasionally that, that, that little voice in my head will go, yeah, you could, you got food. You know what I mean? But doesn't get the play it used to get in me. Cause I, I know, uh, I know where that leads and it's nowhere good. It just makes the, it just digs the hole deeper. You know what I mean? And, uh, so I fucking go up and listen to sad melancholy songs and just love it and fucking wallow in this shit for a little bit, but not in a way that's like, um, I'm just going to give in to this. Like, uh, okay, well, I know this. I've been here before. Like, let's mine this for what we can while it is while it is here, and it's all temporary. The good, yeah, I have to remind myself, and that's kind of what led to this initial realization. I have to remind myself about when I'm when I'm high on like the good feelings. Like, uh, be careful. This shit's temporary. You know, tomorrow you're going to wake up and probably want to strangle someone to death because they cut you in line and or whatever to the phone line. So I, I don't know. I just uh, I think there's a lot of this that can't just be me and you that are going through it, that go through this shit. And certainly uh, people who write me, a lot of the, you, the viewers that reach out to me on JPAN that are going through stuff, you know, I just want to make sure that they know that I'm not in here just on some, like clicking my heels every day and everything's fine. You know, I go through, I go through shit. I mean, I'm in fucking prison, you know? And, uh, but there's like, uh, I don't know. I guess that's all I wanted to wanted to do is like uh, we were gonna do this like upbeat fucking date night as we call it uh, episode, which we'll get to. And uh, I was like, I'm not really feeling it today, bud. And you were all sold on it, and, I, and you're like, What's up? And I'm like, So melancholy today. It was last night, and 
you know, those little things help. You know, meditation, exercise, working out today helped, and doing all that writing and stuff like that, and you know. Yeah, and the di- the difference between uh, how you sounded this morning, where early morning gravel voice uh, Chino calls me and he's telling me, you know, kind of a uh, not feeling great. Uh, he doesn't want to do, you know, a happy funny episode. He wants to talk about what's what's on him right now, and I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, I wasn't seeing that coming, but all right, we'll do it. And then you get. Um, IV shot of uh, 400 mils of uh, caffeine, and then it, it does sound a little bit different. I'm, i got to admit to that. But, hey, real, real quick question. When you know you're going through that and you're like, oh, you know what? F it. I'm going to lean into it. And you go up uh, to your rock and you play your sad music. Johnny Cash? Like, where, where are you going with this? What's the oh, first thing you put in? New shit. I've been listening to new shit, and um, all my favorite rappers are dead. And Mac Miller, you know who Mac Miller is? Mm-hmm. He died recently. Just was a mensch. Just seemed like a guy I'd love to hang out with. He's got this shit called uh, Good News. There's a song called Good News. It's really good. Um, Dominic Fike, he's from Florida. Um, he's not dead, though. Uh, Juice World has a bunch. So lately I've been listening to more modern, like newer music, that is, is is written and performed by people who I wish we had more of when we were growing up that are like, yeah, I'm thinking about killing myself. Or like, I got fucking, I'm fucked up. I got anxiety and I got depressed. You know what I'm saying? And, and shit like that, that uh, I don't wallow in that. I almost like listen, like, man, I wish I could have, I wish Mac Miller would have figured, could have figured some of the shit out I figured out. And thank God I didn't. Because come on, man, you, you, you wouldn't have ever been surprised if you heard, oh yeah, did you hear Bobby died? Oh, how? You would have known how. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I hear these guys who are 21 or in their early 20s. Like, I think Juice World is like 21 or 22, and they just die so young. And their music is all talking about overdosing and how they don't want to overdose and put the mom through and all that shit. And it's like, God damn, they just, they didn't make it out. And so it's a part of me that, that they're like brothers to me in that sense. Like we've been through the same struggle, but also like they're the ones that didn't make it out. And you know how many, we could go through the list now, Drew, uh, uh, Kay, Dave Cardinal, Matt, you know, I mean, there's a million people that we know that from, from, from Palm Bay and shit that are dead now and they didn't make it out. And I listen to that shit and it, it really resonates with me on the multiple levels on the fact that like, God damn, that, that uh, sucks that that happened to him. But also that could have been me and like, okay. And like, I got lucky, so I got to do something with this shit, and I got and I and I can't let myself like fall back into that stuff, man. And that takes a lot of, you know. I think where you're starting to get used to this a little bit more, but the idea that I'm giving these fucking speeches is probably still occasionally ridiculous to you, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I should uh, I should play one of these for uh, my brother, who will be like, <laughs> you're listening to this guy. And that's fair, whatever. I mean, I don't think as many people as him. I think they'd be pleasantly su- surprised at the turnout, but not of my ability to do it. You know what I mean? Sure. As far as like ability to express this shit and stuff. But yeah, that's fair, man. I, I get it. And I, you know, I was no hero. I was, I was fucking struggling. And you know, there's a part of me that's like this, um, this like just desserts karmic part of like having to put my mom through all this shit and my family members and my girlfriends, and my loved ones all through all, all this stuff. And I was so lost in my own fucking shit that I didn't even have time to worry about what they were going through because of me. And then now I just get like, and you're not nowhere near where I was at and you were at too, where you were at previously when we were at our worst, but like getting a little bit of that, like, Oh man, that's my buddy and I love him to death and I just want him to be happy. That's all I want. It's kind of like, yeah, and you can't do nothing about it. So just a chipper one. Yay. We're in prison. Yay. Yeah, I'm going to go listen to sad songs and see if my belt will fit around my neck and support 185 pounds. I shouldn't joke about that as much as I do, right? Yeah, fuck you guys. Yeah, you could you could I probably Yeah, you could probably pump the brakes a little on those, you know. 
but I mean, you know me, like there's nothing sacred to me when it comes to, uh, that's my coping mechanism for dealing with, instead of dealing with, uh, you're the same fucking way. Instead of dealing with heavy shit, we just try to poke fun at it. But I don't, certainly don't want to encourage it. That's the dumbest, cheapest, I understand it, but it's the easiest way out. And there's no, it's unacceptable. If I'm in here and I can figure out a way not to fucking do that shit after everything that happened, then you guys don't get a, a, a tap out. It's unallowed. Yeah, I would like to salvage this one, Captain. <laughs> well, I would like to uh, go to listener questions. I was trying to figure a way to segue to it. However, you would ha- probably have to call me back. Well, let's go now. Oh, why, you got to go get them? Yeah, I mean, stay on the phone. Uh, we can have Mama C do a little editing right here, and I'll go see if I can get them. All right, we'll try, we'll try it out. In the interim, maybe you can, um, I don't know, do some uh, spoken word for the listener? Uh, I don't know. Shut the fuck up. I'll talk to you about and that's what you're looking for. Oh, I'm not gone. And probably not. And probably, uh, probably run out of steam real fast. And this is Mel and, by the way, you are a joke, Jack. Mel and Bobby. This is old Mel and Bobby. So, this coffee's starting to wear off. And, uh, yeah, let's do a podcast where he's depressed and, uh, feeling like shit. Yeah, this is great. These guys, are, what a way to, what a way to pep yourself up before work. Uh, all the viewers out there just like, yeah, let's listen to a fucking sad guy in the joint talk to his other guy who's to his other friend who should be sadder than he is, but somehow isn't because he has chemical chemical aids to help through shit. And uh, also has really um, unpredictable bowel movements. Fine, I'm assuming still painful. But... Yeah, like, so let's do this. Like, can we pay? Is there such thing as called, is there such thing as a unmotivational speaking? Or when I get out, I just bring a bunch of people who need to be taken down a notch and then just stand up there and tell them about how terrible life is and how the futile nature of uh, struggling against time, death, and disease. And how global warming is going to ruin any future that our progeny has anyway so why even procreate because love isn't a real thing it's oxytocin released from your brain because I'll step it up a notch well let, let's let's not we don't have to do that quite yet because we got a question from uh, South Africa oh the last continent that I didn't uh, that I told you I was always like oh we've got listeners from every continent yeah. Diane Word. I wonder if they're a, a, a fan of Diane Word, South African rappers. I don't know, but it is uh, Diana that's asking. Uh, this oh, is God. DKB at Cricketbird, and she wants to know, I'm in law school. What makes a great lawyer? Vocal cords? <laughs> uh that's your first gear? Come on, you're being an asshole now. <laughs> it was the first one that came up. I don't know the answer to it. Um, um, being able to put yourself in the... I see, I'm not... That's such a hard... Like, uh, I, you're a prick, man. You're a prick. Are you... First of all, I love that you're listening. And we need more lawyer. Here's what makes a great lawyer. A great lawyer is someone who who isn't as concerned. You have one minute remaining. With doing whatever it takes to win the case or take a case and uses some sense of uh, inner guidance and morality to dictate which direction they go with their superpower of being able to speak the language of law fluently and help people. That's what makes a good lawyer, in my opinion. Yeah, we don't have enough of that. Hey, Chino, I am curious. This is for from uh, Bustopher Loads. Uh, uh, I am curious. How do you feel about support groups? I know you love Paulo... Paulo say it. I know you love the... Chuck Knock? Chuck. And I recall him on more than one occasion treating them as some sort of addiction into themselves. Would love to hear your thoughts. I say support group's good. I'm on 
I wonder if he's. I've, I don't never had any interaction with him. I'm gonna have to hit you right back, and we can elaborate on this. You have some experience with him, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. All right, give me two seconds. All right, before you go into you, because you're more experienced than I am with this, let me give my my initial completely biased and probably totally wrong. Palinuik. Palinuik? Palinuik. Palinuk. Palinuk. Okay. Chuck Palinuk. So my thing with support groups is initially the cynical part of me wants to go, hey, you little pussies. What, you in there giving each other hugs and shit? Toughen up. Um, but then there's also a part of me, and you, it sounds like by the intonation of my voice that I was going to go the other way and say something great about him, that thinks... Um, that there is also the vulnerability of being an external thing to yourself. So I feel like it probably could help you along the way, but you still obviously, and I think everyone in the support group would probably agree with this, you still have to do the work yourself. And it's probably nice to have someone there. Um, since I've never had that or been experienced with that, and I've done it um, by myself in here, I think I might be a little biased to say, like, no, you got to do it yourself. But why not use that assistance if it helps you, right? What, do you, what was your experience with that? Uh, lots of hugging. That, that's fair. That's fair. There's lots of hugging. Uh, no, um, no. You're serious. Well, I'm serious that there's lots of hugging, and I, I don't. Uh, you you have mixed. There's different groups. I mean, some groups you get something out of. Some groups you don't get anything out of. And they, it could be uh, it could be whatever state I'm in that makes me like, oh no, this group is is lame. I, they don't get me. I don't get them. Fuck these people. And then you might go, and which could be you know, that could be coming from me. But uh, I have I've also been in groups where it's like, wow, all these people are great. This is I am going to try this. I am going to do that. I am going to you know. And there's different levels to how much it helps out. But it but the the idea that calling them uh, an addiction onto themselves. Uh, Okay, that's fair. I can give you that. You could we'll, we'll, let's take that at, at true. But if it's a positive addiction, or say you're going to fulfill your time with something positive as opposed to whatever thing that's negative you're trying to kick, then go with the positive. Who gives a fuck? If you get addicted to working out or running marathons, but it's better than uh, smoking meth, then run marathons. Who cares if you're addicted to it? At least, at least you're not, you know, you're not honing in on something that's negative to your life. Now, of course, you, you could be, you know, masturbating 28 times a day and have a uh, scabby, uh, you know, issues, or you, you know, there's there's still negative things that could happen, you know, that you could get addicted to. And also, if you're, it's better than the alternative, right? Than the worst thing, but. This kind of goes back to if you're addicted to running marathons and that's your, you define yourself as a marathon runner and that's where all your happiness is and then you fucking shatter your kneecap and you can no longer run, that's dangerous. You know what I mean? But it is better than the alternative. Obviously, running marathons is, you know, we're talking about levels of refinement and obviously being addicted to running marathons is better than um, being addicted to meth. But I also think that maybe the guy might mean that some people like abuse by addiction, like abuse those things. Like they go there, not so concerned with getting help as to like being able to hold people's attention hostage and like, you know what I mean? And get like, uh, it's like the lady who's like, just can't wait to get on there and have a captive audience to complain about her cat or whatever the fuck it is, or the guy that, whatever. you know what I mean? Maybe that's what he means. I can see that happening. Yeah. I don't know. I've had a little bit of personal experience in that, uh, but I I left the last group I was in because uh you know the counselor guy would be like, so how was everybody's weekend? Everybody make it through the weekend good? Um, okay, uh, Jeremy. Now, uh, how was your weekend? Did you did you hold strong? And I'd be like, no, I um, I bought a twelve pack on the way out of here on Friday and uh, drank all weekend. And every I'm looking around and everybody else in the group is like, no, I made it through. No, I'm six months good. No, I I got a year under my belt. No. I'm, and and I, I literally quit going to the group because I was worried that my presence was going to bring somebody else down. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember you talked about this a little bit when we first started reconnecting. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're also a stubborn prick who um, has to do shit on his own. I think you're the type that has to do shit on your own. I think you're even even someone like me who you like you assume like okay he's Bobby's a genuine guy and if he's telling me meditation works okay but I, you still just the way you're wired you're like what does he know you know what I mean eh, I don't know I don't know if that's fair hey is there any updates on Scott did anybody uh, reach out to your first bunkie there's uh, Willie Nilly is uh, asking if uh, we have any updates on Scott bunkie number two. No, no, no updates on Scott. Don't has, know, uh, has anybody doing. has anybody written Barb? No, a couple people have uh, asked about it, but nothing. Which I've been reminded by, reminded of several times by her. Like, hey, no one wrote me, and I'm like, all right, well, what do you? Maybe you should have been more charismatic. What do you want me to say? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm gonna have to write Barb. Should have been more. Yeah, I thought you would have already. Well, I didn't. I thought you were talking about it, but you also check your mail once every. You also check your mail when the water shut off. <laughs> that's how you know. So. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Yeah, and uh, sometimes I have to shower in hurricane rations, but it works. What's with this goddamn static? You hear this shit? I did hear it for a second. Uh, when are you getting out again, Bobby? Bobby's got five and a half years left. That's correct, right? Oh, less, less. And actually, less than a month, it'll be under five. And the way I do shit, we do shit in here, is it automatically gets rounded down to four. So in about a month, I'm at four years. Nice. Good on you, mate. Okay, how about this? I'm confused. This is from Al. Um, I'm confused about the two-to-one conversion rates with toiletries and food. Say every month I need $50 of food and $50 of toiletries, but I only get 75 bucks. Could I buy $75 worth of food and trade the extra $25 worth of food for the $50 of toiletries I need? This is, uh, this is a good question. I think uh, Mama C told, read it to me once before sending it to you, and I was like, ooh, actually, yeah, you would think that, right? But that's if... The problem with that is, is because toiletries aren't that ex- that uh, valuable as far as like trading and buying shit. People only get the toiletries they need, right? So they only they're not going to have tin toothpaste. They're going to order one toothpaste. They're going to order one deodorant, maybe a backup of each one, which I like to do, and a couple of soaps. So if you have twenty five in food, good luck going around and finding people who want to sell their necessity hygienes, which is you usually don't have much excess. So you're, it's going to be really hard to find uh, $50 in hygiene for $25 in food. You're going to have to go hang around uh, the poker table and hope to find someone that's, that's a, a, a game that's dealing with hygiene. I mean, on paper, that makes sense, but uh, making it happen, not so much. Uh, have we already gone through what is Bobby's – this is from Laura Elliott. What is Bobby's therapeutic background? What do, you, what do you think she means? Like, what therapy I've had? Um, great podcast, so enlightening. Anyway, haven't listened to all, so may have addressed this, but what is Bobby's therapeutic background? Can't imagine he has good counselors there, which make okay. his growth all that more exceptional. Has no, he had no, any no. guidance, or is he an anomaly? Maybe we already went through that. Yeah, the short answer is nothing. Um, I meditated a bunch and then made some, some pretty, um, seemingly common sense, um, extrapolations from meditation. Like, oh, like maybe, um, I should work out and be fit and feel good physically and uh, deal with the mental and all that stuff and stay productive and that's just good health. And when I'm feeling down, I'll do a... I'll do a psychic vampire podcast where I just drain all the viewers positive energy for an hour with my uh, cohort, Freddie Schertz. Yeah, uh, pleasure to do business with you, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm running out of questions here. I'm digging deep into the Twitter feed and uh, 
I think the question's on my question. Here's a question. Here's a question. Go ahead. Go ahead. For you. We were in line the other day, and uh, I think this is like was more prevalent in the 80s. When, how old were you when you seen your first set of grown man balls? Because I'll tell you, I was in fourth grade, and our gym teacher wore super short shorts and was sitting on a balance beam, one outside, and had his leg cocked up on it. And sure enough, first set of full 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 grown man balls I've seen. And I feel like that's a a 1980s thing. You know what I mean? I definitely uh, remember my dad, like, in some, like, uh, cut-off Dukes in the 80s, like, going up the ladder to get into the attic, and it's like, uh, whoa, check that out. (laughs) Is that going to happen to me? It's already happened to me. That's why I wear uh, longer shorts. Well, by the way, side note, completely unintentional to the segue to this. The first fully, like, hairy grown man ass I ever seen was yours. And it was at, we were at, me, Bird, and Nick were hanging out by the pool. And you ran in there, like, you were inside the house. And to be funny, you mooned us and pressed your ass against the uh, the sliding glass door. And you couldn't have been, but, like, what, 15, 16, maybe 16 probably? And it was scary <laughs> how old is he I was like is that Jeremy what is that what is, why is he wearing why is he wearing a a, a lambskin or a, a, a camel hair underwear what's going on is he okay and like was more like it was funny but also very startling and I was like oh he's a man we're still boys <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's a little bit of psychology behind that. I I think that's the reaction I was looking for. Like, haha, lads. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah, we're boys. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was like this guy, and I was, you know, the nine finger Mexican's a little younger. And he's like, oh, he couldn't like pinpoint, and I was like, I think that's an '80s thing. It was the shorts, it was the attire, real, um, you know. Real freewheeling with the old fucking gym teacher balls. Yeah, real uh, revealing for any man that was over 30 and the temperature outside was 90 or above. That's what you're going to wear to gym class. You're like nine years old, bud. What are you doing? You're out here with a MacGyver mullet and some really short corduroy red shorts, and you're just going to dangle your man bits out on a balance beam while you're giving us a pep talk about the the presidential physical fitness <laughs> shit that we had to do? All right. Are you clown me because I can't do enough pull-ups? Yeah. Um, is this supposed to – am I supposed to be focused now or what? Because I am, but it's not on pull-ups. Yeah. Do you have a doctor? You should go get checked out. Mr. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Testes, I don't. I was just, well, I just feel like that there's a specific time in every lad's life, well, actually, male or female, where they're like, "Oh, that's weird." Just yeah, full-grown genitalia. I can never eat cat head again. <laughs> yeah, so that's my that's my uh, host question of the day. Viewers, you want to chime in? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the first set of, of adult man balls you saw? You know, this episode's yeah. taking an ugly turn. Um, you ready for me to call it? Been ready for you to call it. We out. God damn it. No, we're not out. We gone. I did this the other day. I I fucked up the outro. I fucked up the intro. God damn it. You just dropped some verbal man testicles at the end of the podcast. To learn more about Bobby and prison reform, go to notesfromthepen.com. This has been another Notes from the Pen production.